1: Welcome into the Piffles podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast, episode 236. Can you believe that our rinky-dink podcast has lasted 236
0: episodes, guys? 235 more
2: than I thought we'd do.
0: And uh, thank you for our seven listeners and followers. If it wasn't for you guys pulling through, I don't know if we'd be here. Um, My name is Alex.
1: Of course, you can give me a follow. Yeah
2: i'm steve
0: and apparently we don't know what we're doing so for (laughs) once for once i guess i'm greg because lord knows i don't say my name because it's hard to figure out greg on sports maybe it's jimbo bob i have no idea anymore we'll we'll call you whatever
1: yeah meatball um you can give us a follow on twitter at Pipples pod you can see our twitter handles there if you're watching here on Uh, YouTube or Sastel Max, so thank you for tuning in if you are watching us on either of those. And of course, listening wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I don't know why we be on there, but we are, so thank you for that. (laughs) We appreciate that. Of course, Piffles Podcast, presented by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Drive in Regina. I know I brought some Cheetos to eat tonight, but I I know I'm going to... I'm going to be eating some crow a little bit later on here. Uh, That football game was wild. Let's start talking about it. Let's get to the opening kickoff. All right. So the Riders beat the Lions 34-29 in an absolute, do we call it a thriller? Uh, with the way that they held on at the end because uh, it got really tense there for a while.
2: You know, I take full responsibility for that game getting so tight. With like 30 seconds gone in the fourth quarter, I mentioned to Furlan, I said, I love games like this. These are delightful. He says, just wait like 30 minutes. See if you still say that. And sure enough, I should know better by now. Typical rider
0: fashion, they're grasping defeat from the jaws of victory. Like, they, they I can't not leave it to the last second. Like, they have to have the game decide in the last three minutes, especially at home. Like, it is not going to be easy on rider fans' hearts. It is just ridiculous how they had that game, and then all of a sudden that fourth quarter happened, and VA is dropping dimes, and the defense is just clueless.
1: All right. Well, we'll get we'll we'll go from we'll start with the offense and then we'll talk about defense. And I mean, for the offense, I really have no complaints at all about this game. It's kind of hard to um, when you when you look back at things. Um, I want to start with Jake Dolagala. We were wondering, okay, well, he didn't look good in Montreal. Granted, nobody did. Um, he did look good in his. Limited time against the Argos in Touchdown Atlantic. Um, But he had a very solid game. made some really good throws, especially over the middle. Um, I found that he had a lot of time. So props to the offensive line. I think they played their best game of the year by far and gave Dolagala the time to make those throws. They pushed the ball downfield. They opened the playbook for him, which was excellent. I thought we'd see a heavy run game. We didn't. And Dolagala was excellent. Absolutely earned more starts going forward. And like, I don't know if, uh, if Pipkin would have been, uh, you know, a potential option for labor day, if this game didn't go well, but he's not now because Dolagala absolutely earned that. What's your guys' take on Jake Dolagala?
0: Well, I sent you uh, that DM when we're talking about Dolagala throwing those balls and those rainbow balls were starting to freak me out. Luckily, Sam Emelis, made me eat eat a little bit of crow on that one because the minute that ball game, you you could hear it in the crowd everyone just saw um was it who was who's the defensive back there um it's tj 14, lee anyway was it tj lee um
1: it was yeah, even lee just, or peters
0: just camping out underneath that ball and you could just hear the crowd go oh and then emless came in and just stole that interception from him for a touchdown but He threw the ball downfield, but those rainbow balls, like he needs to hit the guys on stride because he was a little off, but he did the job, and that's all you could ask him to do. He
2: he beat the team that was in front of him. In fairness, I don't think he could have hit Sam Emelis more in stride on that one throw because he was going full bore. And we all sit in that same area and just watching – we could just watch that play develop. That ball, every single person was expecting that to be a pick. No, I don't think anybody saw Emily's. And then no. all of a sudden he's celebrating in front of us. I had lost my damn mind, but I want to, this is going to be a weird spot for me, but I'm going to be the opposite of the optimist this time. I wasn't as sold on Jake Delegala's game as everybody seems to be. You take away two really pretty ridiculous catches from Sam Emily's, and he's well under 200 yards. He made a Several throws that probably should have been intercepted, not just the deep balls to Emelis, but there was a couple of those wide outs that he's, he's pretty lucky they didn't end up going the other way. Now, do I think he's earned the Labor Day start? Absolutely. Because he did what Fine couldn't do for a while. He put the ball in the end zone. He did what he did with a short field. You know, yes, you can only go as far as the de- the defense uh sets you up for. You know, you can't you can't give him crap for turning those into touchdowns because they weren't long drives. He made the he made it happen, but I just wasn't as excited about that game as I think everybody else is. I I want to see more, but I love that they opened up the playbook. To... <laughs> Sorry, I've got a, a visitor coming to join me. Um, I I like that they opened up the playbook for him. They let him throw it deep. It was the first time I think we saw any real creativity out of uh, Kelly Jeffrey. Well, going into
0: half the lions and the Riders' stats, despite the gap in points was basically identical. So that tells you how much of a short field the riders were playing with. And, but that's fine. You play from where the ball is. You don't get to choose that. So he scored when he had to, and it was great. Was it a perfect game?
1: No. I thought. Oh, I thought, I thought the, the decisions he was making was great. You saw him again. It, ca- it came down to the O-line, giving him time, finding the middle wide open. BC left the middle open for so long in that game. The throws to Stearns, uh, Jareth Stearns, the touchdown throw to Stearns over the middle. There was nobody around him. They, they found the weakness in the BC's defense. They exploited that. And, I, I thought I saw a lot of growth in Jake Dola on this game, which is funny because the guy's six foot seven. You're not going to see much more growth <laughs> um, from, from that. Right. But um, he he showed a lot of poise. He didn't seem rushed. Um, it was, it was nice to see that uh, the offense played to me, their best game of the year, um, at least without Trevor Harris, because they did have a really good game against Winnipeg on offense uh, in that game. Um, but seeing, I mean, you guys mentioned that Sam Emilis touchdown catch. My jaw is still somewhere on the floor uh, at Mosaic Stadium in section 320 because that was just incredible. And what I like about this receiving group is that it seems like it's somewhat different every single week. We have Tevin Jones and Sean Bain leading the team in receiving, and Emilis is third. But Emilis has this huge game. Bain and Jones – basically did nothing in this game and next week it'll be somebody else and there's a lot of balance and you're adding key Schaefer baker to that who was awesome to see him score a touchdown on the first drive there for the riders get him right back into the game but like i'm i'm excited for this offense if that's the play that we're gonna get then they're gonna be tough to beat because they have some really, really good players. They just need to put it all together. So, I mean, I, I really like this receiving group, what they can all bring. Mitch Pickton had that huge catch on the sideline for a first down. Um, that was a really long um, review on that one. And side sidebar, review, if reviews are going to take more than 30 seconds, if you can't overturn something in 30 seconds, if it's not clear, too bad. Move on. Because that, that game was long. That was, what, three-plus hours that game lasted. That was a long game. And this league wants to speed up those games and get down to 240. Well, that's 25 minutes longer that this game went. And five minutes of that was on a review. It was ridiculous.
0: I think that, the biggest... that, re- that review was ridiculous. You're right. There, there needs to be a time limit on those reviews. Like, basically, clock starts when the, when the review gets called in, and they can't get it figured out in a minute, and a half, two minutes. Back down to the sideline, inconclusive, move on. You'd give them two minutes? That was ridiculous. I'd give I'd, a minute and a half, tops. But maybe two minutes, because that's probably the only way you're going to get it past the teams. Because you know some coaches is going to complain about, well, they, they need to get, review it until they get it right. They don't need two minutes, but there should be a time clock
2: on it. I I think the biggest problem with that review wasn't just how long it took it was because of the the clear issue with the ref's mic. We had no idea in the stands what was going on. We could all assume it was being reviewed, but all we saw was Rick Campbell halfway on the field like he's a Wally Buono wannabe wait and talking to the refs sitting there we we thought he was just chirping the refs. That's why the the crowd started booing and getting mad. I was really waiting for a Wally chant just to just to bring back old, the old memories of, of uh, Taylor field. But I agree. There needs to be a time limit on those. The purpose of the video review system was to overturn the blatant calls, get them right and move on. These five minute calls, they're boring for everybody.
1: All right. One more thing on the offense here before we flip over to the defense, I mentioned kind of a lock of a run game. Are you guys surprised by that? Like the, The temps were there, the yardage looked okay, but it didn't feel like there was a strong sense of a run game.
2: I think that run game is just predictable. That's the problem, is it's constantly predictable. And when we, again, we've talked about this before, but if I can tell you it's going to be a run play nine times out of ten, professional defensive players should be able to do that with 100% accuracy. But it feels to me like the offense has tried more to, to focus on pass blocking, which is why we've seen the sack numbers drop dramatically over the last three, four weeks. You're seeing the QBs actually have time. And they're doing it at the cost of a solid run game.
0: I, I think also Morrow's not in every down back. So you can't keep on rolling them out there, and yeah, they're trying. They didn't even try Bertrand on this this week. I think the lack of Hickson as that's um, change change of pace back is definitely hurting us. But with the way the all two carries right now, he Rangers, got, yeah, like it's just I don't. I mean, know. The- I don't. I I, I can't. Exp- I can't explain the run game this year. Everyone thought it was going to be our feature, and it's not even an option at this point.
1: I would like to see some of uh, Thomas Bertrand Houdon because he looks good on special teams. Uh, even when teams are smart enough to kick away from Mario Alford, uh, he's had some pretty good returns this year. So I'd like to see, you know, a couple touches here or there for, for him on offense. Um, I did like uh, in the run game, once they got Moro outside off tackle, when they run him off tackle, he's at his best. When they try to run in the A and B gaps, like it just doesn't work. That it's not it's not a good run blocking O line. Um, but the vision Moro had on his touchdown was just excellent. The cut that he made right after he got the ball and just even before he finished his cut, Dolagala had his hands in the air. He knew it was a touchdown. That was just brilliant vision. Um, a great call on that. And I mean, that was that was a nice touchdown. So um, I think Going up against the Bombers for Labor Day, Um, there'll be a little bit more of a focus on the run game just to try and keep that offense off the field a little bit. Um, But overall, when we talk about the offense, uh, I I like what I saw. And I think a lot of it had to do with the O-line. And, I mean, I've been as critical as anybody on the offensive line uh, over the last two years. This was the best game they've had in a long, long time. That's the intensity I want to see. They looked like they wanted to go out there and hit somebody, and I was going to bring this up after, um, but I just mentioned the intensity, the intensity that this team had the whole game. Special teams, TJ Brunson with that monster tap, oh. just flattened Terry Williams. That was, the, the at, best... and it was a textbook tackle too. His head was still up. He just smoked him like that. That the whole the be- team fed off that, and it was the intensity that they showed all game long. Offense and defense and special teams. That's what I want
0: to see out of this team. The the best part about the entire Brunson hit was you got the crowd going initial, oh, and then they showed the replay and everyone,
2: it was like the first time they saw it. It was like, oh. It was one of those rare times where a hit kept getting better every time you watched it. Because live, it was one of the best hits I've seen in forever. And then the replay. And then I've watched that replay I don't even know how many times it's a toss up between that and the Emily's catch for which one I've watched the most since the end of that game, but it wasn't just him. Everybody on special teams was, was hitting hard and it was right from the opening kickoff from, from the very first defensive play. It felt like they were, they were coming to hit and it was, it was a new look and I liked it.
1: And like I said, I like my Cheetos on the couch, but, uh, I'm going to eat my crow right now. And Craig Dickinson deserves a lot of props for this game. We'll still talk about the defense here. Um, That was the best coach game I've seen in about four years from this team. He had them ready to go. And I think a lot of it had to do with that fight in practice, which Craig Dickinson did not like, which I get it. You don't want that to be a regular thing. Offensive line against defensive linemen. It happens. They get into it. They're scrapping with each other every single play. But I like it once in a while. It showed that they were mad about that Montreal game, which they should have been. They should have all taken offense to how they all played in that Montreal game. And I don't know if something was said between the guys that set them off. If it was like, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. I loved that once. It's great once. And it showed that they were ready to go. And Craig Dickinson had this team coached up well, ready for this game. And it was... There's a focus on intensity, and I know we have the king of the three eyes starting us off every single week, Kurt Angle. um, Integrity, intensity, and intelligence. This game was full of it. I thought about that the whole game. I'm like, this is the best I've seen them come out in a long time, and that that deserves to go to Craig Dickinson. He had them ready. I'm as harsh as anybody, probably harsher than everybody on Craig Dickinson. (laughs) This was excellent. This was a great game by him save for the whole timeout thing. I'll let you guys talk about that. But I'm very impressed with him this week.
0: Before we get to the timeout thing, he was on a different level this week because that little miscommunication between Bertrand Hudon and Alford on that one kickoff return, or punt uh, yeah, it was a kickoff return, and where they just had terrible field position, both of them came to the sideline, and I, I looked down, and Dickinson was reading them the riot act. Very rare do you see that out of the guy I like to call the Ken Miller you get on Wish. But he was giving it to him with both barrels. So, yeah, everyone wants to say Craig wasn't feeling the pressure, Craig wasn't this. I think he was. I think he knew if they put out another Montreal game, what this week probably meant for him. And the fact that he was marked safe from being run in town by a combine is probably the best thing that ever happened to him.
2: I'm, I'm really hoping this is a turning point in Craig Dickinson's coaching career. He, had, he, he showed everything outside of the ridiculous non-timeout or the timeout that he did use. Both of those were weird to me, but we've always talked about his clock and game management skills not necessarily being up to par. I don't understand when you're up calling a timeout with three minutes left, let the clock run down. Enjoy that extra 30 seconds. And on the flip side, the timeout to or the non-timeout on the loss of down, that could have really bit us in the butt. But I'll forgive a couple of smaller errors when it did look like you said, like this team came out angry and ready to play. That's the big thing to me is they, again, right from the opening kickoff, they were on go. Their foot was to the pedal or their pedal was to the, was to the floor. They came out hot and ready to go, so I'm not going to rag too much on the the timeout usage. There's room for improvement there, but if he continues to improve like he did this week, you know, maybe we'll uh, we won't give him the ping slip quite yet. Counterpoint: Can you imagine the freakout
0: if that timeout would have cost the game? There were people still
1: calling into the post game shows wanting him fired after this game. Yes. Because it almost cost them. Well, I mean, my my issue with the timeout was the timing of it. Was it within three minutes of of the end of the game is the loss of down. I don't mind taking the time count if it's three plus minutes in the game and you only lose the five yards. That's fine. I can forgive that pretty easily. But the loss of down was, that was the big thing. And I can see why people are totally upset about that. It makes sense. But again, I'm not going to rag too much on him, on, on, on him this week because that really was the best coach game.
2: It wasn't just the loss of down. It was the loss of running clock, too. That was the the big thing. Instead of let, leaving the clock down to just under a minute when they got the ball back, there was a minute and a half almost. I mean, we saw what Calgary could do with 40 seconds. Let's not pretend that all of us weren't sitting there, butts clenched, expecting the worst at the end of that football game. I I don't even want to look and see what my heart rate was at for, for those last three minutes. It was not good. Maybe if I left, the, right, well, you know, the Cheetos off the couch and got up and ran a little bit, <laughs> it might help yeah, a little bit, but out all, all those yeah, get out of your yeah.
1: basement once in a while. Get out of your basement once in a while, Steve. Um, let's flip over to the defense here. Um, <laughs> this, this, this one's tough for me because as good as the defense was in this game, and they were, it's hard for me to say that a team that gave up 500 yards played excellent. But it felt like they did. So I want to get your guys' take on How many did they just- give up in the
0: fourth? Like I said, than, uh, in half the stats were equal. And then third quarter, eh, maybe. That fourth quarter, VA was slinging. Like, that was Vernon Adams at his best and they still lost like that was nuts but yeah for a team that gave 500 yards if you gunned ahead I never would have thought that they gave up 500 yards until after the game When I was talking oh yeah VA threw for 400 yards I'm like nah
2: no he did and I'm like holy crap he did like that and most of it was in the fourth quarter here's the thing to me that that defense was solid at the most important parts of that game they let us off with uh With a couple of turnovers early got us a big lead and then come down to the end with a minute left. And they held strong in what I can only imagine was a stressful spot for that team. Cause you know, we lose that game. It's going to be an awful two weeks, especially with the bye week That's all you have to think about is blowing a, was it an 18 point lead to to lose? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they had, there was jobs on the line with that last drive. So I'll give them a little bit of leeway. That is a great offense in BC, in my opinion, the best offense in the league. They bent, but they didn't break outside of a couple of missed coverages.
1: Okay, so those coverages—that's uh, one of the talking points I had uh, marked down here. Um, so the bus there was the busted coverage in the first half to Keon Hatcher for that 46-yard touchdown. I think I think it was 46, uh, but he had that long touchdown. Saw that coming a mile away. I'm like, oh, he's gone. Um, I mean, that happens once in a while.
0: Nick Nick Marshall and uh, Henderson were pointing at each other. That's always great, too.
1: Yeah, so so (laughs) somebody messed up on their their zone assignment there. Um, Lucky Whitehead's touchdown. Now, I know that was against Nick Marshall. The series before that, Nick Marshall fell down, and he cramped up a little bit. You can kind of see him. He was grabbing his leg a little bit. He, He had just a slight limp um but got off the field because it was third down brilliant coaching by BC Rick Campbell Jordan Maximick saying you know what that guy he he was he was limping a little bit let's test him let's put lucky whitehead out there on him and let him just go because if there's anything we've seen with with Nick Marshall his um it trouble is is the speed receiver on a go route we've seen chris williams in the past absolutely dust him a few times um and and this was this was one of them. So I th- I think that was just brilliant coaching, and I don't think he was expecting that to happen. And Whitehead just blew right by him, and and there was that seventy seven yard touchdown. Um, so, I mean, I'm not too worried about about that, uh, just because I think he was battling a bit of an injury there. Where yeah, you the can't right-
0: blame Marshall for being. Dinged up and lucky whitehead's one of the fastest guys in this league. And he blew by him like he was standing still. Like not much you can do about that. Um, but once again, Nick Marshall's always live by the sword, die by the sword. He's gonna get he's gonna get burned on those, but at the same time, he's gonna make a play that's gonna make your jaw drop. And he did several of those this game. He didn't come up with a pick, but he was in tight coverage a lot. So you know who he's still really- one of the best corners in this league.
2: You know who really stood out to me this past week it was Jeremy Clark. I think he might've had his best game as a writer. Absolutely. Was it, I think it was him that had that one handed over the shoulder tip that uh, on the lucky, lucky whitehead coverage almost came down with the pick. And then somehow lucky whitehead almost came down with the catch, but he played. I can't explain
0: my emotions in that play. My emotions <laughs> in that
2: entire play were like, yeah, no, <laughs> uh roller coaster that's how you explain them that was but to to me jeremy clark was a standout in that defensive backfield just it seemed like every time they made a play you'd look up and and he was him it was him there you know with his back to the to the play making the play happen because he also had the knockdown on the touchdown on was it keon hatcher late in the game too just props props to jeremy clark I need to give. And he had the
1: uh, the interception in this game too.
2: Yes, yeah. he did. On a horrible but, throw, which by was a bad va. Awful.
1: Va came back from injury, and you can tell he was hobbling around a little bit. And that throw, I don't know, he could have ran for the first down easily. He had tons of space in the middle of the field, and to throw that ball into minimum double coverage, it kind of looked like it was triple coverage there. <laughs> that had no chance. That was just an awful decision by Va, and that. Honestly, I think that was the biggest problem the BC had that entire game was that one play.
0: 90% – like 99% of the people watching that play just assumed it was Dom Davis, which is even funnier because I I didn't even see – I didn't even see VA come back into the game until after he threw the ball and I'm like, whoa, what a stupid play by Dom. I'm like, wait a second. That was VA.
2: Yeah, there's somebody – I think it was the Sickos Committee on Twitter had said, you know, Oregon Duck – va with a terrible pick and i'm like actually no that was that was dom davis uh adams got hurt a couple of plays before and sure enough i was wrong and ate crow you know quite quickly afterwards i had no idea he came back in what happened to the rule where you have to sit out three plays if uh if you go down to injury because i don't think that was three plays because no, they, he they, was they actually well no it's not three official plays yeah but they had a blown
0: play because of a penalty so I think it was like two pan- two plays with two official plays with a penalty. so three well plays.
1: Davis had the one in completion and they ran it a couple times, I think as well too. so he he was out the, the minimum amount. just um, just seemed like a very quick
2: turnaround.
0: Oh well, it did. It uh, honestly did uh, I was kind of confused too. I thought it was Davis as well. but speaking of Davis, I loved Larry Dean just like sunning him there on that two point conversion. That was also a great play.
2: He just knocked him on his butt. It was amazing. You know, if you watch we, that again, Davis looked like he was about to walk into the end zone. He thought he had all day, and you could see he left. He took something off of his run into the end zone. He was just, he was waltzing in there, and all of a sudden, Dean came in and just popped him.
0: Do well, we I put not give enough
2: – Sorry, I put that Keith Lee and
0: Adam Cole gif. That's what it looked like. Adam Cole just walking out. And there's Keith Lee just blindsiding him, knocking him into the crowd. That's a hundred percent what it looked like.
1: Yep. Do we not appreciate Larry Dean enough? And and by that I mean we don't talk about him as an all-star. We just I, I think we just kind of expect him to be good after coming back from the Achilles injury and having a great year uh last year. He's been very, very very good this year, but we're not talking about nobody's talking about him. And like, it, is he just super underappreciated in the league? Because I think he is, yes,
0: 100%. Completely. Okay, so it's not and, just me then. What? Well, no, no, well, also, wasn't this his 100th game? And
2: like, it was yeah. nobody, it was his 100th game, it. yep, yeah, and they, they literally it. no one talked. They had a... Well, no, they, a, a thing they had the game after
0: that. But, yeah, well, it kind of went unnoticed. And well, I didn't notice until they posted the thing online after, so...
2: No, they had a, they had a pretty good... Uh, it was, I recognized it because it was just as we were about to go on to offense again. Can I, can I just say this team has a terrible habit of doing those celebrations and sing-alongs and anything that gets the crowd to make noise right before we go out onto offense... Every time. Stop it.
1: At least they did their sing-along to Sweet Caroline right before defense. They actually got that one right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you talk about, you're talking about singing. Um, one of the guys that was an absolute stud in this game on the on the D-line, getting all the pressure, Anthony Lanier. Lanier. Old Town Road. Oh God, the amazing. best part was that when, when they showed the clip of him singing the song, he was on the sidelines kind of dancing around, and then they got the camera on him. Put him up on the Maxtron. That was just awesome. Uh, that was, I mean, shout out to Lanier. That was. I'd like to see him doing some karaoke. That would. That looked like fun.
0: Lanier is such a character. Like he is. I don't I, like. I know I'm probably damning him by saying that he's like the new version of Charleston Hughes. He's such a good player and such a personality. Like he is going to be. He's going to be starting this league as long as he can keep playing because he is so fun to watch both as a player and a personality.
2: Was it him that had the Garth Brooks thing last year too? Yeah. Like he's just, he just seems like that kind of guy that the league needs to really rally behind and market the ever loving hell out of get, get guys like that. The guys that just look like they're having a good time all the time. And the team doesn't use him at all. Like I don't, I don't get it. He needs to be front and center more often. That was hilarious. And then the, the music person playing the song right afterwards, and you just go back to him, and he's just still singing along, having a great time. More of that. Here,
0: here here's my tip for anyone doing that uh, voice of the locker room thing. Anytime Lanier is an option, always take Lanier. He knows every Pick him. every <laughs> yeah. song, every time. Every time he's in it, he knows the words. I
1: will say though, that wasn't the best thing that was on the Maxtron this week. Uh, shout out to the guy that <laughs> shaved his chest hair into a bra. That was excellent. And the crowd loved it. They showed him a couple times and each time they did, the crowd just went wild. So props to that guy. Um,
2: he, very great. Chicken
1: Man. I miss Chicken Man. <laughs> down in Section
0: 28. The dude, the, the dude got popular for one dance and then like the next season he showed up in a costume and then they couldn't get rid of him until they t- tore down the old stadium.
1: I wonder how his neck's doing nowadays, because he Obviously. probably had some bad whiplash from doing that. Oh, I,
0: I assume his chiropractor got a lot of money off of him. <laughs> yeah, I hope he has really good benefits with his job. Um,
1: uh, one more thing on the defense here. Um, just the, the D-line having so much pressure all game long again. Uh, it was the same thing that we saw in the first BC game. Uh, they got p- pressure against... Vernon Adams constantly five sacks, causing you know the the interception, two forced fumbles. One was on the on the special teams as well, but they came to play. And again, just to kind of circle back, giving up 500 yards, it sure didn't feel like it. Um, I know they almost gave that game away in the fourth quarter, but I think that was a lot to do with the couple injuries that they had in the secondary, with Amari Henderson missing the second half, C.J. Revis as well too. I hope that Henderson his injury especially isn't a serious one uh, um, because he's been probably their best player on defense this year. And I'm going to bring him back a little bit later in the show uh, just so we don't have a game preview, but we're going to talk about some positives this year. Mari Henderson is definitely one of them. So once, once he and Revis were out, it was, I mean, that's when a lot of the yardage happened.
0: In the fourth quarter there, he was down the sideline in his jersey in street clothes but he was bouncing around. So yeah. I, I I want to think it's not that serious. I'm hoping he's back for Labor Day. Maybe it's a couple weeks. Um but I I don't think it's too serious. Which is good cuz like like you said he's been playing very well
2: all season. With Roland Milligan already out, that team can't afford to lose uh, another star player on the defensive backfield because he's been he's been lights out. If I remember correctly, he was my he was my pick for last week to be the the star of the game and I didn't realize him going out would be the uh the the star there when he got when he went out you could see the difference without question and you could does see that mean, there people talking about it
1: sorry does that mean I was right because I clocked out and picked the five offensive linemen last week uh and they had their best games so
2: I think so what one second <laughs> I I, I want to know if the Steve curse now goes to his picks I pick Zach Caleros next game. Let's find out. Thank you. <laughs> uh,
1: the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage, Regina Realty. Let's jump to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones, taking a look around the CFL. Before we do brought this out last week, there's two of them. Rider signed team ball up for raffle. So we have two of them. One's going to Hamilton for great cup for the uh, CFL Fans Fight Cancer event. Uh, that'll be the Saturday at Grey Cup if you're out there in Hamilton. Um, but the other one's staying r- right here in Saskatchewan with me for now. Um, but we're going to raffle it off. Again, all the money going towards CFL Fans Fight Cancer. We've decided on it. This is how it's going to work. It's going to be an online randomizer for how many spots you take. Uh, it's going to be one for five, one spot for $5, three for 10 or 10 for 20. Um, you can contact Pivotal's podcast anywhere on Facebook, on Twitter. You can contact me directly at Real Alex D um, on X. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I'm still not used to that. Still not used to that.
0: I need to change. Uh, I see on her screen. It still has got the bird. I need to change it to the X. <laughs> please,
2: please don't. I, I don't butt. want to admit that that I ever miss happened. The bird.
1: Um. But get a hold of me, get a hold of uh, of Piffle's podcast here. Um, we'll get you the details on how to do this. We can figure something out to make a cash donation. We can do an e-transfer. We'll make it super easy for you. And um, once everything's in, we'll have this go for a few weeks anyway, so you'll have plenty of time to get in on this contest. Uh, and then we'll do an online randomizer. We'll do it live. And uh, whoever wins gets this lovely signed ball, which... I don't really want to part with, because this is super awesome,
2: but if I remember our discussion in our DMs, we're going to cover the cost of shipping so that 100% of the proceeds from ticket sales yes. or from raffle tickets goes to the event. So anywhere, North America, if you want to get in, we'll ship this thing anywhere. We just want to raise some money for a great cause.
0: Oh look, Alex! Hell, lunch. you went in... save on shipping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you went in Sweden. Hell, I'll send it that way. I don't care. <laughs> One thing I'm most proud of about this entire podcast is what we do for the community, and I let's raise some money for a great cause.
1: Yeah, and uh, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we did have the biggest uh, oh, amount raised for the CFL fans fight cancer last year. We want to be number two this year um, because we want Hamilton to beat us. So um, every year we hope we get lowered down the list. Uh, that's just, I mean, we just, it, it's for a great cause. So let's raise a lot of money here. And the winner's going to get that great signed football. And we'll get it out to you when the contest is over. So it's open now. We'll have details on PifflesPodcast.com. Uh, there'll be tweets. There'll be posts on Facebook about it. Sorry, X's. There'll be X's about it. Is that what they're called, Greg? Posts. Z's.
0: They're posts.
1: (laughs) Posts, yeah. Now it's a repost.
0: Wait a a, a second. Are you telling me that I got dunked in very cold water to be number two?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Yep. Hopefully. Hopefully. When you set a bar, the whole purpose of it is for everybody else to get over top of it. We set that bar. I want to see Hamilton absolutely cry. And you know What? They're well on their way. Some of the stuff that's already been going on, the the team of Hamilton football. is absolutely crushing it. Yeah, yeah. I came second a couple weeks ago. That's about as close as I'll get to be able to to being able to donate my money back. Uh, well, th- thanks to um, CFL
0: stats, I was first until the last day, and somehow I lost 100 points once. So I, I don't even know if that's true or not. I, I will email Laura and give her uh, give her help about it.
1: Yeah, wait for the PDF to come out on Mondays uh, to trust CFL stats. Um, Why
0: can't they get this right? I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> um, so that's for the Ryder Team side ball raffle. Contact us; we'll give you all the details. Look for us online; you'll you'll see it. Um, okay, on the football, the Elks finally win a game. Goodbye, Owen. Hello, Juan. One uh, and nine. They are now um beating hamilton um i'm i'm actually really happy for edmonton winning this game just for their whole fan base like i know they had the 80s and their fans were unbearable for decades the city of champions thing um but they're losing a lot of fans right now because the team isn't winning so hopefully this brings people back in um and we need parity in the CFL so that's why i wanted edmonton to win glad they did so um, Trey Ford winning again. He was the last quarterback to win a game for them, uh, dating back to last season. So good to see uh, Trey Ford having a, a pretty decent game against Hamilton.
0: Free Trey Ford. I, I have no idea why he was a fourth on their depth chart. Like literally sitting upstairs
2: waiting to play. Just do ridiculous. You, do you remember who their Head coach and general manager is, and what passport Trey Ford has. Well, well, you know uh, about that. Uh, I don't want yeah. to. I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I just like to remind people. I I predicted this, and not only did yeah. I predict that Edmonton would win, I think they win four straight. Four. four I will take that. I will take that bet. They are going to beat Ottawa this week. I can see that. I can see that. And then yeah. they're gonna go into Calgary in that back to back, and they're gonna beat Jake Mayer and the Calgary Stampeders back to back. They're not and they're gonna, winning first week. I think they do. And they're gonna reinsert themselves into the playoff race. And we get okay, to sit back and watch Calgary sitting at what would they be like three and nine? Don't get me wrong. Like, I am
0: all I, I am all there for the Calgary implosion that we have been like praying for, for, for almost 20 well, years, for me decades. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say for decades. It's been I'm, nineteen I'm years. There for it. I, I am there for it. My problem is, so help me God, if the Elks somehow get in the playoff conversation, especially after they got rid of Victor Quee, and they recently just hired a new CEO and president, what, temp, interim uh, Leckler, who is Belisher. a retread. Lillisher, sorry, I can't, I, yeah, sorry. It, once again, we're back to the old boys club. The CFL needs new ideas and new vision, and we just keep on bringing the same guys back over and over again. And that is my concern. So God help me if they actually do something this year.
1: To be fair, Rick Lalisher was the one who brought in Amar Doman in BC. Mm-hmm. It was a big part of it anyway. Um, so, and, and that's worked out great for the BC Lions. So, hopefully, they get that right in in Edmonton um, and just get somebody to get fans back there. Obviously, a winning product will do that. Um, but if they can rally behind a Canadian quarterback while they're winning, like we know, that'll bring a lot of fans back. So hopefully that's that's what they do um mentioned be Hamilton Hamilton is awful the riders last year were awful at the end of the like the second half of the season in a great cup year Hamilton has been awful since the beginning in a great cup year at home so like i don't obviously believe i mitchell isn't the savior of that team because there's a lot of things wrong with that team he still gives them their best chance, but until he's back, if he's even back this year,
0: I don't know if I could pick them to win a game. They're just bad. There's a lot to say about team structure and it's just not there. When they, like they signed Noah zero in the off season and then just picked up one of our offensive linemen on our practice roster and our O-line isn't, it's not terrible, but it's not the best that tells you where they're at and how desperate they are. It's it sucks. Cause I, I like Hamilton. I really do. I, I, if I had a second team, it's probably the Tie cats. Cause they were the, my, my original um, CFL experience, riders versus Tie cats. And it just, it is bad to see how, how, how they've fallen. Even in the East, East, this is yeah,
2: I think there's a lot of people that have the Hamilton Tiger cats as their their second team in saskatchewan they've they've kind of always been that 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 very similar similar market, similar fans, and it helps that they're also responsible for fifty percent of our great cups. So <laughs> I mean, thanks guys.
1: So that leads me to the next point that we had written down talking about the CFL this week. So much talk. And can it stop, please, this crossover idea? Not just the crossover idea, but an Eastern team crossing over to the West, which has never happened before. And it's not going to happen this year. Teams have figured out Dustin Crum and Ottawa. He had his two-game um, coming-out party, I guess, uh, where... He was horrible in the first game until the very end where they got a pick six and then he had two rushing touchdowns, one of them in overtime. Then
0: he actually had yeah, a really way, big Thank game. you. Thank you, Dustin Crum. Thank you, Dustin Crum, by the way. <laughs> thank you for being one of them.
1: But then he had... Uh, it was kind of an up and down game, but a lot more ups in the uh, the overtime win over Calgary. Again, thank you for that win as, as well, keeping the Riders, you know, a couple games ahead of, of Calgary. But since then... He's been bad, and the whole team has looked bad. They've collapsed a few times. They should have beat Montreal uh, last week, and they blew that one away. Teams they have figured it out. Us. They should if have beat being us.
0: honest, they should have beat us. Yeah. So, like, Ottawa is a knockoff riders right now. They will hang in in every game right now, but they just can't seem to find a way to win.
1: Well, and, and it was, I think it was Dave Naylor and uh, Milt Stiegel talking about this on Twitter about how Ottawa is kind of the best three and seven team that Dave Naylor's ever seen. Well, you are what your record says you are. Right now, if you look at it, the Riders at five and five, that's an average team. I would say so because good teams find a way to win games. Winnipeg hasn't looked good in a lot of games. They still find a way to win. Ottawa, a bad team. Bad teams find a way to lose. And that's what Ottawa is doing. Average teams, like the Riders, find a way to do both. And that's what the Riders have done. They have found ways to win games early. They have found ways to give games away. Um, that's just, that's how it is. Your record is who you are. And that's what Ottawa is. They're three and seven. They're a last place team. Granted, so is Hamilton, just awful as well. But keep in mind, for an Eastern crossover, both of those awful teams need to be better than both the Riders and the Stampeders. Right now, they're tied with the And the, the, Elks. And and the Elks. Elks, if, they, if they go on their math, It's so a four-game win streak like Steve uh, suggests. <laughs> um,
0: and I'm just trying to help Steve out here. I'm just, uh, that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to help Steve out. Appreciate there, you, Greg.
1: There's eight games left for these teams they are three games behind the riders because they have to finish with more wins assuming there isn't a calgary ottawa tie um, which seems to happen every couple of years um, that's not happening that is not happening though they, i mean they might be better than calgary very possible i think that might actually happen they're not going to be better than the riders as well both teams will not when you look at ottawa they're zero and five in their division. They're playing pretty well against the West. They're three and two against the West, but not winning against the East. That's going to be their downfall. And there can we can we just stop with this talk about an Eastern crossover? It's
0: not happening. If if anything, East and the West might there might not be a crossover. There legit might not be a crossover. Maybe
1: I don't think there will be.
0: But don't don't. But don't don't tell me there's going to be Eastern crossover because also it's also harder for the East to cross over to the West because there's more teams
2: trying for that final playoff spot. And especially so, now, when you look at how the scheduling has gone, where you're where you're they're getting more interdivisional games, where like we only play Montreal once, we only play Ottawa or Hamilton once, right? They're they're playing almost exclusively in the East. The, for them to ever get an Eastern crossover, there would have to be a massive amount of parity in that Eastern division. You're, you're going to need three 10-8, and 9-9 nine nine teams just to have a chance at it. It's easier in the West. Three teams can beat up on one team like the Elks have been getting beat up on this year. You don't get that in the East. We will never see an Eastern crossover, ever, as long as it is a nine-team league.
1: All right. Well, I agree. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right now in the show is normally when we kind of do our enemy preview and then make game picks. Since the Riders are on a bye week, we're not looking ahead to uh, the the Bomber game. That's going to be next week. We want to keep the positives going here in Roderville. And one thing that we haven't done this season is kind of talk about off-the-radar players that have really stepped up um, and really shown you something this year. So who on the Riders roster that we didn't think was going to be kind of a star going into this year, who do you think has kind of grown into that role of being, wow, this is, this is a guy like this is, this guy's legit.
0: Well, a guy that wasn't an all-star last year that I think is going to be really, is really good this year is Mario Mario Alford. Um, But (laughs) You're still not but seriously. Over um, <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm mad. I am legit <laughs> mad. How how? This is the only league where the guy who's the best player in his position is not an all star. But legit, like our our receivers from top to bottom, I, I can't see weakness. There's a reason why we let Walker go. There's a reason why Jake Winicky, probably one of our biggest off season signings, was a healthy scratch this year. Like, you, you name a receiver, Tevin Jones, who I was pumping the tires on last year, probably a season too early. Sam Ellis is looking really good this year. Uh, Sean Bain Jr., who Alex was one of the first guys to champion when the, on that signing. Jared Stearns, no- Stearns comes out of nowhere. And is a very good relief valve receiver. Like, we're in a situation where it doesn't matter if Lennius comes back we're in a situation where it doesn't matter if Wenyke's a healthy scratch all, all the entire year through. Like this is just our receiving core is so good from top to bottom. We just need a quarterback to figure it out. And I don't care if it's fine, Dala Gala, Patterson who's still the Patterson package, where the hell is that? Trevor Harris coming back in October. I don't care. Like this team has the offense that can like just break people into in the playoffs if they can get it together.
2: I think I'm I'm with you the list starts and ends with our receiving core. When we started this year we were looking at Darrell Dur- Walker, Jake Winicky, KSB and then hoping the rest of the guys could fill out that that roster. And all of a sudden you know two of those guys are either not on the team or not in the starting unit. You got two guys at the top of the the current stats list for for yards that I don't think anybody, even you, Alex, I don't think you predicted Sean Bain Jr. would be that good that fast.
1: Not I, in the top couple of receiving, no.
2: That's that's the thing to me. And it's it's not just one guy, it's a consistently new guy in some kind of rotation. It was Emily's this week, it was Emily's week two, it's been Jones how many times? It's been Bain Stearns out of nowhere. Like it's just we went from our receiving core looks like a strength. Two, it is a strength for an entirely different reason. And it's it's insane to watch. If you would have told me at the start of the year that Bain, Jones, Emelis, Stearns would be our starting receivers, I'd go, great, so how's next year looking? And here we are, you know, firmly in a playoff spot. I, I want to give my shout-out, though, to Deontay Williams. He he was a, a standout in training camp. He earned his spot, and thanks to... uh Roland Milligan's injury he's found himself firmly in the the starting defensive backfield and he will stay there he has been as long as he doesn't fall into Nick Marshall's shoulder uh, shoulder hits like he seems to like oh I think he's got a long career in the CFL because he's got all the makings of being a top tier defensive back and he's a rookie
1: All right, I'll go with a couple different names that you haven't thrown out yet, you guys. Um, Sticking with the defensive backfield, Amari Henderson. Um, I think a lot of people knew he was going to make the team, probably practice roster. Okay, maybe he might get, you know, a starting spot, maybe. Um, He's been excellent. And hopefully, like we said earlier in the show, that that injury was just a minor one, just precautionary to keep him out for the rest of the game. Um, And he's back with the bye week, uh, back for Labor Day um the other one and we knew this guy was going to be good but i think he really has turned into the anchor of the offensive line and that's logan furland he's been excellent this year i mean yes every player gets beat now and then and furland yes has been beat a few times this year um i think it was his guy that ended up getting the, the strip sack uh maybe i think it was matthew betts um on that one one uh fumble but Furland ended up picking up the ball and getting it back to almost the line of scrimmage on that one. Anyway. Um,
0: I, I want to see a big guy touchdown. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I sure. want to see him as far as he could.
1: Give, give him the Dan Clark, uh, playbook and let him go out and receive a, a touchdown once in a while. Um, I think we all knew he was going to be a good player and, uh, it was Brendan Labatt uh, a couple of years ago saying, this is the guy you should be talking about is Logan Furland. Um, I think it's time we really do start talking about Logan Furland as a top offensive lineman in this league because he's starting to get there. And he, he's clearly, to me, the best riders offensive lineman. And it's great to see just coming from the junior program, coming from the Thunder as a territorial exemption. Um, not I mean counting. You say
0: it. I'm, I'm waiting for you to say it.
1: Greg was right. <laughs> Greg was right, yes. The the shirts on the way, I guess, right? Um, no, Logan Ferland's been absolutely phenomenal. And I I think it's time we start talking about him in, in terms of a very, very good player in this league, not just on the riders, but overall in this league. So that uh, those two guys, Amari Henderson, Logan Ferland, one on each side.
0: And I don't need to pump Logan Ferland's titles. So you did a very good job of that, but one thing I love seeing is local like local players, Saskatchewan players, coming through these junior programs that are going to make a difference. And yes, I understand that a bunch of the junior players on the Riders this year, one's from Britain, one's from the uh, United States, and then you got Riley Schick also from uh, uh, just on the road from Lumsden. And he's going to be another... Offensive lineman, probably on the Riders next year, he's probably going to graduate up because he's that good. Because if one thing, for some reason, Saskatchewan Farm Boys make great offensive linemen. You look at Dan Clark, you look at Ben Heenan, you look at, like, the names just keep on coming through. And it is it is nice being when you have this much access to really good young talent. And I, I can't wait to see what else comes out here.
1: Um, speaking of the Regina Thunder, Greg, I forgot to mention this to you earlier off air. We might have a way for people to get into thunders games for free.
0: We may have, uh, two tickets for every game. Maybe. Possibly.
1: Yeah, Uh, we do watch, watch our X and Facebook feeds, uh, for that because, uh, the thunder are a great team. Um, Especially when you can watch them against the Hilltops, and those games are just excellent games. Um, the
0: uh, the game this week, uh, actually home openers this week, it's against the Winnipeg Rifles. Uh, the Rifles uh, kind of got spanked by the Hilltops last week, so they're mm-hmm. going to. Be, it's going to. It's going to be a chippy game. You you thought there was a lot of uh, penalties uh, the game against BC this week. Um, at the Ryder game, and there's going to be a lot against the with the Winnipeg and the Thunder, because they don't like each other. It's going to be a fun game.
1: So, we'll give out a pair of tickets to that game, um, and all of them coming up uh, here through the piffles Podcast, so watch again our Facebook and X feeds for that. Um, <laughs>
0: Steve, is so mad. It could be
1: worse. It could do, like, the DX motion steve like
0: i mean uh, okay. uh, I Sh- show michael's me. walking in the room
2: yeah. i don't know why i hate the x so much i might hate People, it more than i hate pumpkin spice
0: which should be oh, out week. i know i can't wait we're in PSL oh,
1: oh my goodness uh pumpkin okay, spice. here's
0: the thing psl chris strevler on x I, I i think we can we can work something with we can that. make it work isn't um where's the, the logout button hang
1: on all i all i know See, is missing the very first <laughs> the very first day it can possibly happen i'm heading to dairy queen on Elphinstone street and Sass drive i'm getting a pumpkin spice blizzard because oh, so i mean good. it's just
2: it's just because good. you're a it's monster you so love good. it it's, you love it it's, it's it, delicious you're, you're gonna get going to get the to get your you wife love one it.
0: You i know love i'm going to get
2: my wife one because if i don't but, she'll kill me yeah but also I know you love
0: it you also know you love it you just apparently have a set date before you can't have it and then after that date you enjoy it
1: what steve doesn't tell us though is that when he goes to get his wife one he gets one for himself he just never takes a picture of that one i know this is a mini i know this is a
0: mini before he gets it home
1: uh okay well let's (laughs) jump back here to to some football um Let's do our picks for this week. Um, no Ryder game this week, um, but still a lot of uh, games with a lot of intrigue. I'm actually looking forward to this first one here, Montreal at Winnipeg. The last time they played in Montreal, it was a close game. Um, I know. I think it was the Bombers ended up winning by 14 because they got a late touchdown or something. But it was it was a pretty tightly contested game. I'm gonna I'm telling assume... you, all the games
0: have moved. All the games have moved. I'm telling you right now from opening. Winnipeg probably favored by seven and a half.
2: I'm gonna go uh, five and a half.
0: Winnipeg started at minus seven is now at minus nine. Ooh.
1: I kind of like Montreal on the spread. I like Winnipeg. I like Winnipeg to win this game. Um
0: I, I like Winnipeg, I like actually I like I like Winnipeg to cover if Calaris is starting.
1: Which sounds and like he will.
0: Cody Fajardo.
1: Cody Fajardo is also starting this week. It's no no more Caleb Evans for for Montreal. It'll be Fajardo and, and Kalaros in this one.
2: I think Montreal wins. Ooh.
0: Uh, I don't know if I like that before Labor Day, though. That means Winnipeg's going to be mad.
2: If they're not coming into regard- to Labor Day already mad, then they don't belong on a professional football team. That's a rivalry game. You come in angry.
1: Yeah, throw the records out the window. Labor Day, records don't mean anything. We know that. Um, The second game, um, Calgary at Toronto. I know Calgary won the first game against a half-missing Chad Kelly in that game. Um, I'm going to say Toronto is favored by
0: four and a half. I'm
2: going to go seven and a half.
0: Started at eight and a half. It is now nine and a half. Wow. The wild thing, the wild thing, the over under is 51 and a half. That is high. That's pretty high. Yeah. Take the under. Probably. Uh, that's probably that's, because Calgary can't
1: up. probably take the under because Calgary can't score touchdowns because they have Jake Mayer as their quarterback. Great. That they can kick field goals and they have one of the greatest field goal kickers of all time. Doesn't mean anything if you can't score touchdowns.
0: I'm sick of seeing that goat emoji every time he kicks the field goal. I am so tired of it.
1: Uh, give me Toronto with the points.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I will
2: take Toronto with the points. But, yeah, there's no way it hits the uh, total. There's no way. I go over. I think it's over, and I think it's mostly Toronto. Really? Toronto's going to be coming into this game pissed off because they lost to Calgary last time. They're going to sure. put their, their foot down and absolutely dominate this game for 60 minutes.
1: And it should be a pretty good crowd there too. Cause I think that ties in with the, uh, the CNE, um, the exhibition there. So you get free admission. So hopefully that should be a good, really good crowd and give the, the Argos a little bit of a bump there. Hamilton at BC. I can see how this one is probably right now around 11 points for BC.
2: I don't know about double digits. Nine and a half.
0: Start at 10 and a half, it is actually falling to 10. Hmm. Apparently there's a lot of Hamilton uh, money coming in on this one.
1: I mean, that's a big spread regardless, but Hamilton is awful. And BC is, I mean, as long as Vernon Adams is the guy, they're going to be putting up big chunk plays, lots of yards, lots of points. I'll take BC with those double digit points.
2: Yeah, BC and the points. Give me, give me more of them and I'll still take it. I, I'm taking BC with the points, but it just it's just weird. The over-under is only 45, which
0: is, seems low for a spread that big.
1: Yeah, they'll win like 30 to 10. Um, yeah, and this, this one's
0: funny. This, uh, Ottawa, this one is actually funny for me.
1: Ottawa at Edmonton, which I actually think is going to be a pretty decent game. Um just in the sense that I think they're both kind of evenly matched in being two bad teams. Um,
0: this one tells me exactly where the money's coming in right
1: now. I think Edmonton's favored by two and a half. Again, this is pure yeah. guessing because I don't see it. I don't look at the lines.
2: See, normally when you got a, a home team, you give them extra points, but this is Edmonton at home, so I think that's a detriment. I, I'm going to go Ottawa by. One and a half.
0: Edmonton came in as a three-point underdog at home. It is now a pick'em. Wow. It is dead. It's dead even. Edmonton. I think Edmonton. Game two of their four-game win streak. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, I don't want them to win at home. I kind of want to ride that out. I hope they win. No
1: away games. They already got the record. Um, it it's a shameful thing. I mean, we're exactly. all Penguins fans. You can see the jerseys I, I, on I, the I, wall. I, I'm
0: bitter. I'm bitter. I'm bi- I will admit, I am a bitter man. I well, will gladly the, hold that.
1: You're the old man of the group here. You saw the the '80s, the '70s, and '80s team. Um, whoa! Being whoa so I never good.
0: saw the '70s one. I'm not that old.
1: <laughs> My um, hat's
0: on backwards. I'm cool. I'm with it.
1: Hello, fellow kids. Um, <laughs> You see the the jerseys. We're Penguins fans. You can see that. Greg, you're in a hotel room, though. So, But otherwise, Penguins fan. Um, when the Penguins lost 14 straight games at home, uh, was it in 2004, at least they got Sidney Crosby out of that by sucking so much. Edmonton's getting nothing out of this. Like, nothing at all. It's not like there's a number one Canadian draft pick that's going to come in and absolutely
2: Curtis take the lead by
1: storm. Right, well, maybe. Um, Not
2: but if with Chris about- Jones in
1: Edmonton, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what I mean, though? Like, there's there's you don't really gain anything, you don't you know, suck for luck, or uh, um, what's another one? They had
0: dishonor tank hard for, for the
1: dart, yeah, dishonor for Connor. Like, there's I mean, there's nothing like that in the CFL. Um, they need to win at home, they got to get or fans back. In. <laughs> <laughs> but they gotta get fans back and They need to win at home. They have to. As much as I want to see them lose and you know, just the whole city of champions thing. No, they need to win. They need to win at home. Um, the fan base there deserves that. And then after that, I mean they can okay. be they can Calgary be Cal- they, can, then-
0: they can be Calgary. They they can be Calgary. They they don't need to win this game, they can be Calgary. I agree with you, they can be Calgary, they just don't need to win this one.
1: All right. Fair.
2: On the flip side, if they win this one, we can stop. We can really for good stop hearing about the Eastern crossover because it becomes impossible pretty much at that point.
1: Just about. Yep. Well, it should be a, uh, interesting week of football here in the CFL. And of course, uh, the riders getting their much needed bye week, uh, hopefully getting a couple more players back, uh, from injury and, uh, Going into Labor Day, it's kind of nice having that bye week going into Labor Day, um, and then again, like I said, throw the records out the window. It doesn't matter if Winnipeg's four games ahead of us or three or whatever the number will be. Um, I, I don't think Winnipeg's going to win Labor Day um, here in Saskatchewan, but that's for that's for next week's talk. But
0: JK Butler, Rocky Dalgalla.
1: Rocky Dola we should call him that. I like that. He's got to start running though. Um, But luckily, he (inaudible) hasn't needed to. (inaudible) 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 He hasn't needed to. So that's. that's I'm so
2: glad we have video now to just see the.
1: (laughs) For those listening, Uh, Greg is uh, pretending to run. Yes.
0: (laughs) Oh, I
2: thought
1: that
0: was Greg. i sorry. I, I know it doesn't happen often. Should I start making pig noises?
1: uh no but if you do i think that signifies the end of the end of the segment and the end of the show here um so that's going to do it for us here on the piffles podcast of course uh special thanks uh to our great friends bringing us the show dairy queen on elphinstone street and sass drive in regina and of course thanks as well to kathy festian of royal page regina realty and churchill brewing company for their support making this show possible Did we go an entire show without a Simpsons reference?
0: I think we did. That's impossible. Me (laughs) failing.
1: All right. Good. Perfect. And thanks to everybody watching on YouTube and SasTel Max and everybody listening on their favorite podcast platform. We appreciate it. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert.
0: Subscribe to the YouTube.